You're listening to Process with Broads and D-Ray. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Process. And there is a lot to dive into when it comes to this damn basketball team. I feel like with this team, they have the most drama, the most storylines, the most everything, because something new is happening all the time. Now, before I hit this record button, I just watched you take a little baby hook shot into the trash, and I know you missed it. Tell me you missed that shot. There's no way in hell you hit the baby hook. Uh, I did, man. I did. I I got a little landing for my uh my, my TV suspended, and it, it hit the it hit the thing that the the cable thing is on. So now you're just gonna leave it there. Yeah, yeah for now. Not even gonna for get now. up and pick it up, and you're gonna walk yeah. by it probably the next six times before you realize. You know what? I'm just gonna pick it up now. <laughs> I got I gotta like sit in. It. It's like all right, you know what? You gotta I gotta analyze what I did wrong before I take this shot again. Ah, oh, man, you gotta clean it up just, the glass, D-Ray. That's what you did. You got to clean adds, up the glass. Exactly, exactly. Get it off the boards. But it yep. just adds to this rough morning, man. God yeah. damn it. <laughs> well, that's exactly know. how we should all feel when it comes to this 76er squad because, well, Ben Simmons needs surgery. And when we first heard the news, first off, the play, it didn't look that bad, but you can never really yeah. analyze something from non-contact or a contact injury because a lot of these brutal injuries are non-contact at times. So when you saw Ben Simmons dump the ball into Al Horford and walk off the court testing that left leg, were you concerned just from seeing that play? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, you know what it reminded me of? Um I don't know. You remember Blake Green? He was, I think Blake Griffin was the original red shirt uh, NBA player, but his first year around, I think it was the last game of the preseason. He goes up for this crazy dunk and then he comes down and you notice he kind of hit that same stride. And I was like, Oh shit. And it was the same type of thing with Ben. So whenever somebody does something that's non-contact, but they're very gingerly walking, it's something's torn. And that, that shit definitely. Thank well, God it wasn't ACL. That's the crazy part about this. So the way Shams originally reported this of The Athletic, he said the MRI came back clean and is expected to be day-to-day. Then we found out that it was a subluxation of the left patella listed out, and they're looking for treatment options, no ligament damage. So when you're reading these first initial reports, you think, okay, maybe you could be optimistic that eventually he will be back. The MRI was negative. There's no ligament damage. And before you knew it, boom, the bomb gets dropped on you. I'm in the middle of shopping with the fiance going fruit shopping. Boom, I get hit with a bomb that Ben needs surgery. And then I went from... You know, all giddy. Hey, we're going food shopping together. We're excited, though. We need to get the hell home, and I got to figure this thing out. Yeah, bro. I'm So I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at him, too. That was too fast. How the hell did you have an opinion? And that's this. Well, he's, I get cl- it. he's claiming his sources. His sources told him oh, it, yeah. it had oh. to have been. Well, Shams is obviously very well connected. No, no, so. Shams is credible, but I'm just saying that was too you know what I mean? Let's get several opinions on this, but let's be real. And that that was too, it was like, oh, it's, he's good. It's like somebody jumped to conclusions yesterday, you know, when Joe and B gets hurt. You know what I mean? Let's take a second. But I didn't like how rushed that was. And it's a shame, but I don't think it's going to be crazy. But obviously, he's not going to be back now. And that's the problem. It is a problem. It's a huge problem for this team. And my big concern when it comes to this is it's not so much about this playoff run, because I think we can all agree that this playoff run was going to be hell 
Okay, it was going to be frustrating. It was probably going to look ugly at times, and the offense was going to look stale, and it was going to be a mess. That's just reality based off of everything we have seen so far this season. But me and you, we always talk about how Ben Simmons needs to grow, he needs to develop, he needs to learn every single year, and missing out on a huge playoff run, that's concerning to me. He needs to learn from these playoff runs every single season. He needs to feel the pain, feel the heartbreak, get beat up, learn different defenses. He's playing a whole new position. To say that missing out on this playoff run isn't huge is ridiculous. If he can now see how a defense plays him playing this power forward role, he could take a whole new mindset into the offseason to get better at that specific position. And now he doesn't even get that chance. I'm going to play devil's advocate on something, bro. And it's, you made me just realize this. The same way that everybody, especially TJ Warren, has gotten better over this break and gotten to this bubble and just completely evolved their game because they got a chance to watch a lot of it. I think if, if you're talking about anybody on the Sixers who's done the best example of this, it's probably Matisse Stiebel. He's really seen the taking a step because he was able to break down his game. Do you think this will give Ben Simmons the opportunity to look at that position he has to now play and figure out better what he has to do? And because of his talent level, it won't take as much time for him to get back out on the floor and be effective with it? So you mean he's going to utilize this time off to still prepare and get better? I mean, in the sense of, all right, what is that position really going to take? Because I'm pretty sure that him and Brett had talked about this before they got back there. I'm pretty sure they warned Shake that he might be moving more towards the point where they got back to workouts. But for the most part, it was, we're doing this, we're working out, we're going down there and playing. And now I feel like with this type of break, I'm saying just playing devil's advocate, I'm, I'm more with you in the sense of, yes, him not being out there hurts, but he's such a freak of nature. He's such a talent. That can kind of make up for the time part of things. But as far as the mental aspect of him looking at that four position and realizing what he can do better and what he did horrendous at, do you feel like this time is going to be beneficial for that? I'm going to go with no. I'm going to go with no. And I just feel because of how limited that time was, I don't know if there's a big enough sample size. Like, uh, There's only a handful of games. If things didn't work out for him in those handful of games at the elbow and all that, I don't know if he truly feels deep down that's reality or that was just a small sample size and it didn't work because of a certain different things. But I feel like in his mind he could say, well, this will still work. I just wasn't able to execute that night or something of that nature. No, facts, facts. But I'm saying a sense of not just watching himself. For example, I think the best, well, I think offensively, the best person you can watch at the elbow is Hakeem Olajuwon. I think as far as um, point guard people who operate out of that elbow to, to block area, if he watches Jokic a lot and he sees how Jokic kind of plays point guard from inside out. What I'm saying is he takes his work ethic and he realized what he fell short in, and he looks at his couple games and his small sample size, you said, looks at Hakeem's offensive game and how he operated from the elbow from an offensive standpoint, and he look at Jokic from a point guard standpoint, a point forward, whatever the hell you want to call him, uh, from that elbow to block what's name, and he puts all three of them together, and it comes back a better and improved, more cerebral Ben Simmons. And because of his natural athletic ability and talent, it's not going to take a year for him to get to the point where that's in the practice. I would love to sit here and go, yes, D-Ray, that sounds like music to my ears. But 
I, I mean, to be honest with you, yes, it does sound like music to my ears, but am I optimistic that that's how this is all going to play out to the point where Ben Simmons is studying all these players and looking at what they're doing and he's going to come back because of that? I can't be that optimistic. I hope you're <laughs> right. Really, in theory, that sounds amazing. I just this, don't I'm think that that's real. I'm a coach. I'm a coach. If I had a player, if I had a player his magnitude sitting out, that's exactly what I would do. Me and you ain't going to do shit but shoot sitting free throws <laughs> and watch people operate from the elbow. That is all we're going to do. But I, I, I feel you. It, I, I am being very optimistic. Obviously, I ain't a coach for the Sixers, but it's just that's where I'm at with it. That's where I'm at. Well, speaking of coaches, you could possibly be on the radar if Brett Brown is fired because oh let's be real. Coming into this playoff run, Brett Brown, yeah. I would say, probably coaching for his job to an extent. And now that Ben Simmons is hurt and Joel Embiid tweaked his ankle, although he tweaked his ankle, he left the game six minutes in, he came back and returned just to sit on the bench, not to play. He was laughing, smiling, dapping everybody up. I know you can't say that it's not a big deal because he was back on the bench and because you, you don't know, right? You don't have the information. But I will say to the public eye, him coming back to the bench to hang out with the guys and smiling, you would yeah. feel okay that he's all right, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt confident that he was good. And I'm not saying – I think he's that type of personality, period. But I think if it was something really bad, he, he wouldn't have wore it that well. He really just looked like, I see y'all in a week. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I see y'all in a hey, week. That's what I mean. When's the, what date is it? When do the playoffs start? Exactly, exactly. He kind of looked like that. So – if that's the case, another guy, freaking nature, athletic, you know what I mean? Has the talent to be able to – I really think their talent is just being able to, like, excel quickly, especially Joel Embiid. You look at when he started playing basketball, like, that's his talent, the ability to just cover a bunch of ground in a short period of time. But another guy who I'm not exactly concerned about him being out for a week and some change because of that ability to sit back and look at – well, I mean, he was doing a lot better than Ben Simmons, but all right, where did I fall short? Where can I be better? No doubt. Well, I, I did mention Brett, and I feel like it's important to go down that road because Absolutely. at this point, without Ben Simmons, there's a situation possible where the front office looks at Brett Brown and puts their hands up and go, well, he didn't have his full team. He didn't have Ben Simmons. He's going to come back next year. And as much as I'm not a Brett Brown hater, I do think that this team needs a shakeup. I do. I, I think the team does need a shakeup. And if I'm in the front office and I'm getting handed that decision, if they lose in the first round, if they lose in the second round, I think it's time. Now, if they get to the Eastern Conference Finals without Ben Simmons, I think it's fair to have that conversation. I even mentioned if they got to the Eastern Conference Finals with Ben Simmons, it shows that this coach and this team is continuing to take steps forward each year. So I think that that's a conversation to have. If he gets to the Eastern Conference Finals without Ben Simmons, that means he beat the Celtics and the Bucks without Ben. That's impressive. But if they get to the second round and it looks the same way and the flow is awful and there's some stale offense and, you know, it looks the way that has looked all season long, with or without Ben, I think that you do need to freshen things up a bit. I'm not going to lie, and that was my fear. That was my fear that People saw Ben Simmons go down. I, I and I hate these people. I hate these people. You know who you are. The people that find any excuse to find to fire Brett Brown. And I could imagine several people saw Ben Simmons go down. It was like, come hella high water. This is going to be one of the things they use to fire him. And I hate that. Yeah, no, they're gonna they're gonna use that to save him. You mean? No, no, no. In the sense of 
it doesn't matter if you didn't have Ben Simmons. You didn't do enough. Because in me, what oh, yeah, I yeah, fear yeah, for... Yeah. People are saying yeah, yeah. that this is... Sa like, they're afraid that this injury is going to save Brett Brown's job and they want him fired so bad that they're afraid that this is going to save him. That's exactly, not... Yeah. Exactly. And they're also at a point where it's just... There's nothing that he can do now. He's fighting with a hand behind his back at this point because not having Ben Simmons out there. I just... I think it's kind of unfair. And what, what I fear for with Brett Brown is there's almost... You can't do good enough at this point to save his job obviously we're not in the Sixers front office but for the people who do want him out I feel like short of them making it to the Eastern Conference Finals and doing well they're still gonna say ah it just it's not working you know what I mean and listen it, it is what it is I understand it's a cutthroat business but I, I feel like I feel like you're right as far as shaking things up but it's unfortunate. I feel like it's about to come at the expense of Brett Brown, even though he doesn't have his full team out there. Yeah, it, no, that's reality. But we we can't deny that this team underachieved, and this year was a bad season yes. for him. And he and he didn't have the time to have a bad season. That's the thing. I don't think Brett Brown is some bad coach. I think if he gets fired, there's another team knocking on his door pretty damn quickly. Oh, so I, I do think that he gets another opportunity real quick. I'm not irrational when it comes to where Brett Brown is at in his career. I don't think that he's the worst coach ever. He doesn't know what he's doing. Look at this. Look at that. No, that's just ridiculous. You're just upset with the team. It was a bad year for Brett. He's had good seasons. This one, bad season. And he just didn't have the time to have a bad season in this scenario. It's unfortunate. It's how it goes. But if it is a first-round exit, a second-round exit without Ben Simmons, I do think that you have to look at reality and go, this team might need a new voice and a new a new look and a new person in that locker room. And, and I sit here all the time and I say that, look, the NBA, the impact of the head coach is 15% or so. So if I'm going to go by my philosophy of the head coach is so far down on the list compared to superstar talent and the right mindset and the right age and the right professionalism when it comes to this grown man's league, then why not make the change, right? If Brett Brown's not making that much of an impact in my theory, well, switching it up then... I feel is in play because I think it comes down to the players way more than any sort of head coach. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think you're right. Um, somebody had mentioned to me, they said that Brett Brown might have just been the process coach. And they said, you know, that that sucks. But at the end of the day, when you think about it for what it was, he just got them to that point. And then it's now it's time. So they was like, look at the Warriors and, and Mark Jackson and Steve Kerr. He was like, we all know that Steve Kerr didn't, make the Warriors anything like that but it was just Mark Jackson that got them to that point where right there and they brought in Steve Kerr around the time it was all right it's time to take off at a different level at that point I understand it's business as usual I just feel they're definitely going to use this if anybody's pulling the rope to get rid of him this is going to be the thing they say that how can y'all deny it and it's where well, you can deny it because he didn't have arguably his best player out there I think it's one A and one B but arguably his best player out there I will say this they do get rid of Brett. Becky Hammond's doing a great job. Please holler at her. I would love that. I think as far as revolutionary and and, and, and just as different as things looking right now, I think that would be a, a great change. And to call it what the hell it is, she knows some basketball better than a lot of people. And she's under Popovich right now learning from him. So obviously not the best thing with Brett Brown. You know what I mean? We thought that we was getting a, a Popovich 2.0, but – I think Becky Ham is the woman for the job. Yeah, so I got two things for you when it comes to Becky. One, I, in theory, I really would love if the 76ers were the first team to hire her. Really, I, I think that would be great. But the only reason why I think 
right now isn't the right time is because if they fire Brett with this roster, don't you think that the organization might want to go with someone who has experience in head coaching with playoff runs? And, like, the team, in theory, would probably like to go in a direction of, let's get an experienced NBA playoff head coach to get this team over the hump. That would almost feel like we're going with a... Not so much a trial and error, but for Becky to be a head coach, I think the team would need to be in a different scenario than the 76ers. I'm I'm interested in Becky as a head coach in this league. I think she really does know her stuff. I think she is very smart, and she's got to be successful. I just don't know if where the 76ers are right now, that's the type of head coach that they would go for. I think they're going more for the, you know, you hear the names, these veteran experienced head coaches that are now kicked off to the curb a bit because their time ran out in other places. Does that make sense? I see what you're saying. I I absolutely see what you're saying. I feel like it's a situation where you need that Steve Kerr type character. You need somebody who knows when they need somebody who's been there. You need somebody who can guide them through that, but just who's out there who really knows well, it that's, to me that makes And that's sense. what we keep bringing up every time all these people scream to get him, to get Brett fired. It's like, okay, you want Mark Jackson, but we just we just mentioned that. That's the person that got fired from Golden State, and then they won a title afterwards. So how can you use him as an example? A lot of people mention Van Gundy. I don't know what he's got in the tank. Everyone's fascinated with Kenny Atkinson because he got fired. There, there's flaws in all these people. They just want Brett out so much that they scream for they anybody's matter. name. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. And that's how you can identify a Brett Brown hater. It's like somebody complain about food. You know what I mean? You go out to restaurants. I don't like this. Like, All right, what do you like? I don't know. It's like, well, shut the hell up. You know what I mean? Like, unless you have another opinion, shut the hell up. And I just, I look at the coaches that are out there that I would trust with this team. To me, in an ideal world, Doc Rivers, to me, is the perfect guy. But yeah, Doc I don't know Rivers how we can get him. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. In an ideal world, that's not going to happen. But I'm thinking of the coaches that, could look at this team, see where they are from a potential standpoint, and how do we turn potential into production? How do we turn, you know what I mean? How do we turn that corner from, oh, this team looks good, to they are consistently hitting their marks, and there aren't too many coaches that I can imagine meshing with this group of personality. That's the other thing, too. People forget that just because a coach comes in and everything's going to be good, that it's, it's not the case. A guy has to match up with their personalities well. I think they look at Steve Kerr and the Warriors. That was a match made in heaven all the way around from Draymond to Clay to Steph to Steve Kerr to Sean Livingston to Andre Iguodala joining on. Everything for them almost worked out too perfectly and I think everybody's been trying to chase that exact formula and it it fell in place too good so who's that coach that you insert and they can manage Joel they can manage Ben and his passing this time they can manage up and coming Shake Milton and a Josh Richardson and where he's moving in his career and the steadiness of Tobias Harris and the elder statesman ways of Kyle O'Quinn and Al Horford and get Alex Berkman you know what I mean who the hell can manage all these personalities in a realistic time. Because at the end of the day, whoever it is, you don't have a year. You have a couple of months to show us this shit's working. Period. I don't see too many coaches out there who can do that. Yeah, it's a great point. No doubt. That is a great point. And at this point, the team is what it is, right? And and I'll ask you this. Do you think that Ben Simmons being out do you think that they still have a chance? I know people talk about the matchup with the Celtics with Joel Embiid because of the size, and I think that that's possible. I think that that is a little bit possible. Not a lot. I'm not optimistic on this team really at all, but I get the length situation and the big man stuff when it comes to Embiid and that Celtics team. 
I think this team is screwed, though, at the end of the day without Ben. It's too big of a loss defensively. I know he struggles in the half-court set when it comes to slow-down playoff basketball, but you do lose a ton defensively on the other side, and I don't know how this team's going to be able to make up Ben Simmons' loss. I disagree entirely. I disagree entirely. I really think, and I love Ben Simmons. You know what I mean? I've, I've spoken about it several times. His offense, I mean, his defensive game, excuse me, more than his offensive game. I think they're going to figure it out. I think the pressure of shit, we have to do it now, is going to take this team to another level. And I honestly think if Joel Embiid is healthy, the Celtics, I'm not saying it shouldn't be a series, but I don't, I don't see that getting past six games. I don't, I don't really see how to – I really don't see it getting past five. I know that's a little optimistic. That's why I'm like, I'm going to go with six. But I see them getting two games and getting up out of there because he should be such a damn force. Him getting hurt at this time, if he takes care of it and he's back by the time they got to play them, I think he should just dominate. He should just take off. Let's call it what it is. He's been in the league longer than Ben Simmons and pretty much anybody else on this team besides Al Horford and – um. And Tobias, when I'm talking about anybody on the team who's been starting, I'm not talking about everybody. Anybody's out there starting and playing significant minutes, he's the, the oldest guy at this point. Him and Ben Simmons came in a few years apart. It's Joel's time. I feel like him, with Ben Simmons being out, we're kind of at where we're at. I mean, we were at uh, early in the season when Ben Simmons got hurt. He said he was feeling like himself. He should just go out there and Hakeem this shit. It is the Joel <laughs> and the Joel Whites show. It shouldn't even be a question of how dominant he is against Celtics, especially with Al Horford not being on that other side anymore. We'll have to see, no doubt. And I have a question yeah. for you about Joel Embiid's domination. But before we get to that, how's mm-hmm. your lawnmower 3.0 treating you? Oh, absolutely amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. I used it this morning, not on my face. So I know. <laughs> but no, I love it. I love it. I love it. Is it, is it that time? Yeah, that the, time? L- the LED lights. How cool is that? You're in the shower. You got your LED lights so you don't make a mistake. You see every little piece of hair, trim, trim, <laughs> trim. You know what I mean? It's quiet, too. It's quiet. The, 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 that, that, that little this is your engine. Favorite. This is your favorite. The quiet oh stroke technology. Oh, my gosh. The fact they call it quiet stroke is hilarious. But it's just, think about it, man. You ain't got to work about it. Like, can you imagine the first thing you hear in the morning? Zzz, you know what I mean? Like a, a big-ass buzzing. It sounds like a bunch of phones on the counter going off. It's that quiet little, shit sounds like a Prius. It's just that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's I why it. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. And they now. Now released the lawnmower 3.0 new and improved their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology they've also upgraded to the 7000 rpm motor and that's with the quiet stroke technology trim that junk of yours Get 20% off and free shipping with code P-R-O-C at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with code P-R-O-C at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code P-R-O-C. All right, let, let's get to this question I have for you when it comes to Joel. <sighs> Do you think it's... Good for other teams. I'm looking at their other team's philosophy to allow Joel Embiid to get his essentially and to score two points over and over and over again in the post 
two points, two points, two points, because in their mind, hey, we can score three points. We can counter those two points consistently with the deep ball. So if you allow Joel Embiid to get two points, I think that puts our team in a good position. So let Joel Embiid get his, and we'll counterattack all of those two-point buckets because we play a different style of play. We'll give them two. This is a three-point game now, so let's go counterattack those. I think uh, no if our perimeter defense is what it's supposed to be. And I, I really – that's to me where, like, you losing Ben Simmons really hurts. But I've said it before. Between the length and athleticism out there, like, you think about how many players we got in that 6'6 six, six to 6'9 six, range. How many players really – and then the guys who aren't that in athletic as they are, Josh Richardson and, and Shake Milton. There's no excuse for the perimeter defense on this team not being up to snuff outside of miscommunication. It is not a case of – uh, lack of athleticism is not a case of having some old dude out there who can't move his feet. Outside of lack of communication, there is no reason this team shouldn't be a lockdown perimeter defense team. So I think if Joel's getting his two, 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 his two leads to 42 at the end of the game, and on the other end of the floor, they're doing their job. I'm not saying you're going to limit every damn three, but you don't let what happened with TJ Warren that night happen again from that three-point line. I, I don't see how they lose. You know what I mean? I understand last night really shook up a lot of people, but that was Dane. And I just, you know what I mean? Not every team has a Dane. Only one team has a Dane. And in my opinion, Dane's over Kyrie. That That's a bad man. On that offense, like he is, that he's different. He's no different. Doubt. No, it's so fun, not it's every team has a Dane. It's funny you bring that up, though. So, Dame is disgusting. 51 yes. points. And TJ Warren dropped, what, 53? And yeah. doesn't it seem like, and I'm not saying, piece? well, I'm just saying, it, it, it doesn't, I'm not saying that, it's okay to allow 53 to TJ Warren, and it's okay to allow 50-plus points to these players. But in the bubble so far, I don't know. Maybe it's the atmosphere. Maybe there's no fans. There's somebody dropping 35, 40, 45, 50 every night. So something with this environment, maybe it's getting close to playoffs so teams aren't playing hard, but something is happening where these players are going off every night and someone's scoring 45, 50-plus Every night. So while it's frustrating to see that happen against the Sixers and it's unacceptable for someone like TJ Warren to do it, there's something to be said about this happening for every single team, every single game in this bubbled environment. Wouldn't you think? I think it's about being locked in, to be honest, bro. I, I really think so. For, for example, I'll, I'll bring in a Nova example. Um, when we stayed in hotels before games, I have to be honest, it takes on a different feel when the day before you have practice, immediately after the practice, you go back, you know, you go to a hotel and you're in there with your teammates. You might watch TV and shit, but you're in there with your teammates and you got a meal with your team. And then you go to film with your team and then you go upstairs and you chill and you cold tub. And then you come downstairs and you're back with your team during a meal, another film. And then you go to bed and then you wake up and it's basketball from jump. There's a different feel when you have that versus being around in the city versus having some distractions. I think these players are just locked in on another 
level. You're just seeing guys who they have no distraction. The true hoopers are just hooping because it's, bro, I don't have anything else. There is no distractions. There is nowhere to go. I'm in this environment entirely. And it's, I, I feel like that man in the arena thing kind of takes on a different level of focus with guys who usually would have other distractions, usually have other problems. Dame's not one of them. He's done this before. The TJ Warrens of the world who are seen to be breaking out, all these players who seem to be doing great. I think it's just, it is such a concentration of basketball with no outside noise. How the hell can you not bring your game? I saw a joke. It was like, can TJ Warren do this for girls at the game? And I was just like, that's hilarious. You know what I mean? Like, there are no distractions. There ain't no crowd. It's just, you're just hooping. You're just hooping. They're essentially at a closed scrimmage every game. That's a unique perspective on it, without a doubt, because the alternative is, then why aren't teams locked in defensively? Because the Sixers are allowing 40-plus points in these fourth quarters. Think about the defense, then. How about that? Get dialed in defensively. Josh Richardson has stunk out loud all these games, and then he puts together a 34-piece against the uh, the Portland Trailblazers. And, you know, some, something like that, it, does, it, it doesn't make sense to me because – when Ben and Joel are on the floor, he stinks. He's useless. He's garbage. He hits two shots out of 14 attempts. He's awful. He gets waxed defensively. All those guys are gone, and then he puts up a 34-piece and has an electric game. I mean, why can't you still execute at a high clip when those guys are on the floor as well? What changed? The mindset changed because they're not there? Well, you got to find a way to still have that mindset with those players out on the court. It can't just be when those guys aren't available because you're not going to succeed if Josh Richardson's the guy and those players aren't available. I, I, once again, I'm going to play devil's advocate. That's fine. Keep I, it I feel, like this is, I feel like this is exactly what somebody like a Josh Richardson needs. At the end of the day, let's call it what it is. It's one ball out there, it's two baskets, and for them, it's 48 minutes to play. There's only so much to go around. So I feel like a Josh Richardson coming to his own around the time Ben Simmons goes out, it's not exactly a surprise. I feel like Joel B feeling like he was getting back to himself or playing like himself when Ben Simmons is out is not exactly a surprise. It's not a knock on Ben Simmons. It's just it takes on a different level when you have that next man up mentality and then you have to step into it. I think that added pressure helps. But I also think it's you just you it's a you know what I mean? It's like for me and you, for example, if we if we wake up in the morning, we know we got to work. You you got a different energy about you versus now nah, I'm good. I just you know, I just got paid hungry dogs hunt harder. And I feel like with this team, with Ben being out, you're going to see several guys kind of take these little leaps in their game because it's just more to go around at this point. It's just physics. He's not a presence out there anymore. You ain't got to worry about him. mentally. You don't see him. You ain't got to trying to figure out plays around them. You just have a different freedom as a player. And I feel like that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a lot of players with just free minds and free conscious because it's just, I don't have all the other shit to distract me. Rather, that's one of my guys injured. Rather, that's the crowd. Rather, that's my, my game day routine. It's just, I'm locked in on another level, bro. I hope you ain't you're right. buying it. No, you I ain't buying look, it. I, no, I just look at Josh Richardson. He stinks for 10 games, and he has this one game. And I hope he steps up, really. I mean, he's better than what he was giving you. But I, as a player, I can't sit here and go, well, you know what? I get why you stink when Ben Simmons is on the floor. No, because this team's only going to succeed when you have guys around you. If Josh Richardson's the guy and playing well without those superstars – 
That team's going nowhere. The only way Josh Richardson is going to have success in this league and win championships is if he's not the guy and then he's able to execute when those guys are out there on the floor because he's not good enough to carry a team to a championship. So that's where I think he's got to be able to execute when those players aren't or when they are on the floor as well because that's when a team is going to succeed most with a player like that. Absolutely, bro. But I think I played devil's advocate on so much because I was that guy. I oh, was so was that. I. I mean, I was a role. Exactly. I was a role. I wasn't even close to the Josh Richardson. I Facts. was I was the Norvell Pell. Seriously, I was the Howell Neto. I, I was a role player, but I will, like I told you before, that game up at Providence, but it really wasn't that game. I think I averaged like a double-double that week. Daniel was out for, we had St. John's. It was Creighton. It was St. John's at St. John's, Creighton at home, and then Providence at Providence. And it took him being out those games for me to realize you have a different confidence about yourself. And obviously I knew when he came back, yeah, shit's going to change up a little for me. But that confidence that you come into your own when they're out, if you're a smart enough player, you'll know how to, all right, let me still have that same confidence. Let me also understand the scheme change. And I'm hoping that's what happens. Ben Simmons is such a big presence that Maybe this is what a Matisse Thibel needs to kind of take that next step. Maybe Alec Burke gets into the rotation and shows that he needs to be used more. And like I said, obviously when Ben Simmons gets back, they got to turn back in the role players and kind of change it a bit more. But that pressure of everybody having to step up, you'd be surprised what that shit does to people. You know what I mean? It's kind of like Lynn Sanity. We don't have a Lynn Sanity if Carmelo ain't, he ain't out. Let's call it what it is. Something about a guy being out and you knowing I have to do it because if I don't, anybody else going to do it. You find a different strength in you. Yeah, look, it's a positive way to look at it. No doubt about it. And I hope you're right. I don't feel that confident about this team right now. I just don't. I think I think they're doomed. But you're looking at all these situations with a positive mind, and I'm not going to knock you for having a positive mind. I just can't get there right now. The only positive thing in this city right now is the Philadelphia Flyers, all right? Because we're winning the damn Stanley Cup, but I digress. <laughs> we'll leave with this note here. Al Horford has stepped into the starting rotation. And originally, uh-huh. I didn't know if Brett Brown would slide Tobias to the four, slide somebody into that third spot. Alec Burks has been shooting the lights. I think he should be the sixth man. No more Furkan Korkmaz, sixth man. Alec yeah. Burks should be the sixth man. Yes. But what Al Horford has provided in that four spot with Joel Embiid, he's been playing really damn well. Besides the first game, with the minus 26 in 23 minutes, he's been playing well all around. And I hope that he can continue to do it. And I'm not an Al Horford hater. There's people that just can't despise the man at this point. I know he's not bad. I know that he didn't fall off to this insane degree. And it shows that once he slid in there without Ben, Joel and him can work together on the floor. And hopefully he can bring you that veteran experience. But he's scoring buckets. He's grabbing boards. He's getting assists. He's doing it all. I just questioned the defense part of it. Is that slacking too much for my liking? But with the slow-paced half-court set in the playoffs, that will only benefit him. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, man, that added pressure. I, I think he's benefited probably more than a lot of ain't people. Ain't no pressure that, that veteran. He just it, wakes hey. up and just goes, goes to work. <laughs> Shit, obviously not earlier this year, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I feel like this. That's fair. He but knows pressure, now, like I got him in. Pressure has a like negative a, connotation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Pressure has, I got to think of another word. I, I'll get back to you on that. I'll get well, back po- to you on that. Pressure has pressure. A just positive yeah. pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's positive pressure. It's reinforcement. Reinforcement. All right, they have it. That's what it is. Yeah, they have it. All right, well, we got through a lot today. You're more optimistic and positive than I am. I think this team doesn't stand a chance. All I know is you got to practice those damn hook shots.
By the way, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need more coffee. And if you see this right here on on the visual podcast of of processed, this cup of Joe that I'm drinking right now, I am no oh, artist by any means. The fiance, oh, a little bit of an artist. I, the canvas that's always hanging up behind me, she drew that and painted it herself. I could never. I'm a stick people kind of guy when it comes to drawing. But I realized that because of the way the album cover for Drake's album, if you're reading this, it's too late, is childish. I can it looks totally, like a ransom note. I can totally execute this coffee mug. What do you think about it? If you're reading this, I need more Joe in the handwriting. I'll show you because I'm using a different camera for you. This is amazing. Isn't that incredible? This is amazing. I ransom know. note. Ransom note font, but amazing. Well, yeah, but I can it get looks away, like the I cow. Can get away with it. It looks like the cow from the Chick-fil-A commercial drew it. It does like, a little bit. Like, the K's backwards and all that. Looks like a, eat more chicken. Yeah, eat more chicken. Yeah, it looks like a five-year-old drew it. <laughs> well, my here's my fiance's. It looks like it was made and should be in Hallmark, and I come back with this garbage. You should see some of these paintings I have when we go to these places. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Processed, and we will see you next time.